You are now listening to Fangirl Feminist, Media and Feminism. Also, you have been warned. Spoiler warning! Alrighty, hello and welcome back to Fangirl Feminist, Media and Feminism. So, this is a podcast hosted by me, Emma, and I also go by Ziggyo on the internet. And we talk about different medias and look at them through a feminist lens or talk about some certain feminist theories or topics that have to do with medias. So welcome back. I hope you guys had a great week, are having a great day. And if not, you know, sometimes bad days or weeks happen and you got this and you know what, you're surviving life. So good job. My week has been pretty good. It's been pretty busy. School's kind of catching up to me. I am trying so hard this semester to like keep up with my readings, but it is so hard. I'm not a big reader. It's, I don't know if it's just my ADHD. I don't really, (laughs) this is going to sound bad, but it's fine. I don't really take my pills anymore, especially after switching to a new media student, because I find that taking my pills sometimes stunt my creativity or like my extrovert, my extrovertness, which I find very beneficial for my degree slash major. But when I do have to take other classes, because the campus that I am at is is like a liberal campus, you have to take classes in sciences and social sciences. So sometimes <laughs> that involves, <clears throat> excuse me, that involves a lot of reading. And reading, once again, yeah, not my forte. It just takes me a while. I find it hard to focus and I always have to take so many breaks, God. Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm getting faster at it, like actually reading and like I've learned to take notes to help me digest it. So we got some tools to help us along the way. But yeah, so we are back with episode two. This is episode two, which is confusing because for me, not for you guys. You guys are going to be like, wow, episode two right after episode one. I recorded a uh, an, epi- an old episode two, but I didn't like it because I didn't like, I felt like I needed to do more research on what I was talking about. So we are starting again with a different topic. And today we're going to talk about the TV series Velma. So Velma, if you haven't heard of it, which would be kind of surprising, maybe it's just me. It's all over my news and my media and my feeds or whatever. And maybe it's because I've been talking about this series for a while. I watched it. I, I've i been consuming that kind of media. So obviously it probably would be popping up in mine more. But I feel like it is pretty talked about right now. And I want to talk about why it is bad. And maybe some misconceptions about it and misperceptions about why it is bad. And why they would just take Scooby-Doo characters and do this to them. Because yes, I was one of those kids who grew up on Scooby-Doo. I literally asked for a Scooby-Doo movie for Christmas one year. I love Scooby-Doo. The Scooby-Doo movie, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. That movie's great, obviously, other than the CGI. But the the music in it slaps. Like, I love that soundtrack. And it's just, yeah, grew up with Scooby-Doo, so it's probably a nostalgia trip for me. Also, what we're going to talk about, why does Hollywood seem to be on this nostalgia trip right now? Well, it's because... They can't make good enough ideas on their own, so they're dependent on the fact that people will watch things because of nostalgia. And it's totally like this marketing ploy, just kind of like how fake liberalism or fake whatever is kind of a marketing ploy lately, throwing something in and thinking it'll compensate for a good story and good characters, but unfortunately it does not. So yeah. Oh, 
And also, before we like deeply dive into this episode, I do want to address something about language and a problem I've been having. So one thing that we learned in our Women and Gender Studies course that I had last semester was the importance of language and how some language that we use is ableist <clears throat> in a sense, especially like some predominant ones are using slurs, as we know. I'm not going to say them or try to mention or pretend to like mention something close to them because like we we know what the slurs are and we know how they uphold well some people might not know because obviously some people still think it's okay to use when they are within that system of power but essentially when you use slurs you're kind of giving into systems of power and keeping up these ideas and like ostracizing people and yeah, like carrying on the legacy or continuing to uphold systems of power that we have. And one of the systems of power that we have is heteronormativity and the sex gender binary plays into that. So I want to talk about the use of language using uh, like surrounding around female and male versus women and man. So I have caught myself a couple times in this podcast referring to a woman or a man um, by their, like, just by their sex, which would be male or female, something that we associate with sex in northern cultures, for sure, European cultures, other cultures, I'm sure. It's something that's very predominant. If you have certain body parts, you are associated with this sex. But when I refer to someone as their gender, I shouldn't be referring to them as their sex because those are two different things and things that the sex, like when we <laughs> refer to people as the same thing, kind of add to the idea of the sex gender binary, how if you were, you know, born a female, you have to be a woman, or if you were born a male, you have to be a man. And I don't know, I just wanted to correct myself. And when I am describing a person and I know their gender is a uh, man or woman or non-binary, I should be using that rather than um, just the sex of them in a sense, because I shouldn't be associating their gender with their sex because the weirdest thing of, of our society in my opinion is labeling kids based off of what kind of body parts they have that is kind of ridiculous and that's kind of what that's attributing to and i don't want to attribute to that so yeah if you ever hear some weird editing or cuts around the words women and man like they sound like they're kind of coming out of nowhere it's probably because i messed up my language and i would like to correct that so yeah let's get into this episode and let's talk about why I think Velma is so bad. So it's such a bad show. I was literally watching it with my mom and my mom and I's taste in media and movies and TV shows are completely different. We come together on a few things. Like we both love watching RuPaul's Drag Race because guilty pleasure of mine, RuPaul's Drag Race, it, it slays the house down. Um, but she likes more cheesy movies, uh, more stuff for like entertainment purposes, which is a source of what movies and TV shows are used for. So I can't, I will never critique anyone's taste in what they like watching or consuming because that's just like unrealistic. Everyone gets like different things out of why they consume things. So I understand that we have different tastes in like stuff and that's okay. So she like more likes cheesy stuff, comedy, um, stuff that's like easy to watch where like the plot line is easy to consume versus I am like the complete opposite. When I watch something, I want it to be artistically challenging in a sense, and I want to be able to extract meaning meaning of like themes, plots, 
um, the external plot line from imagery, from metaphors, from, you know, the way the scenes shot. Um, also, like, character development and stuff is very important to me. Character development is one of my favorite things to watch in media because I feel like that's what um, truly connects us in a sense, or at least in my opinion, I feel truly connected to characters who have really good character development. So one of the reasons why I love media so much is <laughs> you can call it interpersonal relation if you want, but it's like this connection to characters and it's almost like I feel motivation from them to be a better person sometimes. And I'm like, oh, wow, we can change. Yay. So yeah, but as I was watching this with my mom, we have completely different tastes in uh, movies and TV shows and stuff. She agreed that it was terrible and that we should probably switch, but I had a purpose. I wanted to watch this so I like knew why it was bad. I wanted to dissect all the badness from it. And so I, <laughs> I continued watching it, but she just watched something on her phone because it was literally that awful that a lot of stuff I can't watch, my mom will watch. And my mom refused to watch and finish Velma past like 10 minutes into the first episode, I want to say. And so, yeah. So one of the big things that I think the show has a misconception has a misconception on is that it is bad because of race swapping. Now, I myself, as a white person, do not feel comfortable talking about race swapping because it is not necessarily my place, I think, to come from, but I did watch a couple videos on it, so I wanted to share those videos and those creators. If you want a more analysis depth talk about race swapping and kind of the benefits or negatives of it in this modern day era of companies kind of reaping off of nostalgia and reaping off of like fake feminism and fake liberalism. So we have Nobody Actually Cares About Race Swapping by Veridis Joe. He didn't pronounce his name in the video, so I'm not too sure how to pronounce it. So I hope I did that right. And then we have The Truth About Race Swapping Characters by Just Some Guy. I, those were two of my favorite videos that I watched on race swapping and I think went over a lot of broad different types of perspectives. But essentially, I just want to say that a lot of people were blaming the fact that the show was going to be bad or is bad on the fact that the characters were race swapped. And that is not that is not true. It's not because they were race swapped. It's because the characters are completely written differently and are written terribly. And that is not due to the voice actors. So essentially why the show had race swapping was because the voice actors that got hired to act the characters are animated like who they look like or like who they are or what race they are per se, even though race is all just ambiguous and we use race as a way to create power relations so that's why they did that so that makes sense to me because Hollywood is very whitewashed there's a lot of white people in Hollywood there's a lot of white people creating things being hired we see so many white actors throughout history all the time so I'm like why not have fair opportunities in Hollywood so obviously that makes sense to me now <laughs> what it went wrong with is using loved characters and completely switching their values their goals and like their entire personas. So that's kind of where they went wrong character-wise. It is not because of the race swapping. It is because they're just completely different characters. And sometimes that works, as we see with the Miles Morales, which just some guy's video about the truth of race swapping characters discusses, is a very well done race swap character because we don't necessarily see him as 
a race swapped Spider-Man, but we see him as Miles Morales, right? Like this in-depth, deep character that uh, has a lot of character development. And we see that he has like good values and positive goals in life. So we want to see him grow and we want to like, we can connect with him in a sense. So it's not the race swapping. It's just who the characters are. So yeah, so... Honestly, what we are missing in this show is just good good writing, good storytelling, even like a good theme. Watching it, I can't tell what the theme is other than just being like, aha, cliches and TV shows suck, Ugh. but we're going to contribute to them anyway. Like, I don't know. I'm not feeling a theme from it. Maybe like this thing about possibly getting over past trauma, but everything happens in it so fast that you can't really sit with anything. It's like, the pacing of the show feels so off. It's like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And it's like, you can tell they wanted to have this story, but didn't know how to necessarily come up with these situations in a natural way. So they just like had an idea and they were like, okay, how can we get from point A to point B in the quickest, like the quickest, sorry, way possible. So the pacing of it feels very rushed. The story projects very fast, honestly, too fast in my opinion. I feel like... They try to push everything that you need to know about the characters, especially Velma, the main character, within the first episode. And a lot of, like, great adult animation or even animation period, you don't see the entirety of a character and their backstory and their values within the first episode. And it is it is especially not showed in a tell-not-show way. It's showed in a show-not-tell way. So, like, in BoJack Horseman, you don't get the full story of BoJack and like why he is possibly the way he is right in the first episode. Like it's through a series of like flashbacks and seeing his like actions and attitudes towards people versus in Velma, her like backstory is like literally told to you as an audience in the first episode. Like her deep tragic, like why she can't solve mysteries and has to get over it. And it's just, it's just so fast pacing that you can't slow, like you can't digest anything about the characters. It feels like a caricature not an actual character. And so there's no like way to connect with them necessarily. And so I think that's what also shows it off. Cause once again, like one of my biggest things that I love about media is the connection with characters and, you know, like wanting to feel like motivated by them and feeling like they have true, like good values and wants in life. And Velma just kind of lacks that, you know, I don't know what her values are. I don't know what she, she values making fun of people. She values being different, but then also like conforms to the idea that you have to like dress all in skimpy clothes and do your makeup to like look pretty as a girl. So even in that sense, it's like they do such a, in the first episode, they do so much to try to be like these ideas of feminism, like feminism. And once again, it is told, not shown. And they try to do it in a way that they think is satire, but isn't necessarily coming across as satire rather than it is just literally being explained out to the audience. Like when I watch BoJack, I feel like that's satire. Like they managed to fit in satire actually in the conversations of like between characters. Like you see them, I don't know, talk about something stupid that's obviously going to come up and they like point it out in a conversation. It feels natural. It doesn't feel like it's pausing the storyline or pausing the flow of the momentum versus in Velma. It's like they will literally just pause, look into the camera and say something that's wrong with the show or say something about feminism. And it's just so interruptive. And it feels like 
in Deadpool, it feels like there's a reason why they're like breaking the fourth, like he's telling a story, right? There's a reason for that, like breaking of the fourth or fifth wall. I forget what it's called right now. I'm sorry, don't sue me. But in this show, it just feels so random and it feels so interruptive. Drives me mental. It's the pacing of the show is just awful. So yeah, as a standalone, I do not think that this show would have ever even had any discussion around it. I think it just would have been brushed off as like, a t I don't even think it would have been produced because I think they know that it's actual humor and it's actual storyline and it's actual what they're basing the characters around isn't good enough as a standalone show. So they just decided to slap Scooby-Doo onto it, which is really unfortunate because a lot of what we're seeing is complete opposite of the values of the original Scooby-Doo, which is about like, I don't know, togetherness and friendship and solving mysteries and just generally being wholesome. And then in this one, it's like, there's nothing, there's no connection with that. There's no, there's no friendship building. There's no trust at all. No one trusts anyone at all. And yeah, there's just no, there's no wholesomeness really. So if it's this far-fetched, you question, why not make your own thing? Well, probably because they knew it couldn't stand alone on its own thing. And honestly, Hollywood being out of ideas and not able to produce originality is kind of what's also creating this problem where we're literally relying on people's nostalgia to be able to like go out and see things. Like we're getting so many sequels. Like why is there five ice ages, man? Like there's so many good independent films that have been created. And it's like these companies are just mass producing garbage, hot garbage. And I don't even want to talk about Marvel. That stuff makes me sad. Probably talk about it one day, to be honest. And my whole outrage on that. So, yeah. I do want to... Okay, I want to point out something, too. Because I've seen a lot of comments about the animation. And in my personal opinion, I think the animation is really good. It's outsourced, which makes sense. It's actually outsourced to... Um, ooh... <laughs> I forget what it is, but it's an a another animation. And then they essentially got the studio that's like in South Korea. And so the animation's done in South Korea, which is hilarious. But I feel like there's been a lot of comments on, oh my gosh, these animators must really hate animation. I'm like, it's not the animators, it's the creators, it's the story writers, because the animation style of it, I think is really great. There is a couple of fantastic moments with the animation and the way they like slip into uh this like average I would say adult animation and then into like really detailed grotesque scenes like there's this one scene where oh I forget what it was oh yeah like a hand or something but it's going up like Velma's arm and it's just like it's very detailed and it does like create those feelings of like anxiety and like, oh, and I just want to like compliment the animation of it because I personally think it's really well done. And I think some people who critique animation may not understand how hard animation is and how long it takes. As someone who's done a few animations in my life, they were treacherous. I would never want to be an animator. I'm not going to lie. It sounds like really hard work. Like you slave into your layers and there's so many layers to make it look smooth and it's like they have to be good drawings if you want it there's so much effort and time and planning and thinking that has to go into animation it's actually crazy which is why 
rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender 2 blows my mind because that animation is so good for its time. But I just wanted to play, uh, point out, not play, that I really enjoy did enjoy the animation style. Yeah, and then I have the another thing that I have really big beef with is this way it's it comes off as very pretentious and the writing comes off very pretentious and like we think that we're better than standard media because it likes to call out and critique a lot of cliches and oh cliches and tropes that's what it's called in anime they call it tropes i think they call it tropes and other things but especially in anime but they point out a lot of movie tropes, some that didn't even make sense to me, like as a lesbian and them pointing out, oh, aren't all lesbian detectives detectives? Isn't that the only good stereotype about lesbians? I like had to tilt my head because also the character who said that was Mindy Colling, which I'm pretty sure she's not a lesbian and she's trying to make this whole woke culture TV show and then she's gonna like say something that, I don't know, I tilted my head because I'm like, is that even a stereotype? Like, maybe it's because I don't like personally like detective shows or like crime shows except for I am weirdly watching Gotham even though that show's kind of a train wreck <sighs> but I'm not huge into that I like superhero detective work and I don't know like like horror movie detective work but actual like cop and crime shows not my biggest forte so maybe that's on me for not consuming a lot of that media but I had no idea that was a stereotype plus I think there's a lot of other different positive stereotypes that might be like attributed to lesbians in like media now like I don't know like the awkward lesbian stereotype isn't like terrible like what Maya Hawk kind of has going on in uh Stranger Things I think that's her name I will feel really bad if that's not her name but the girl plays the lesbian in Stranger Things and if her name's not Maya Hawk I'm gonna go cry all tears. All sad, sad tears. So the way that they use cliches in this movie too isn't like that great. Like they think they can get away with attributing to pretty bad cliches in my opinion just because they point it out. And they think that by pointing it about they can get away with it because maybe it's funny, but it's not really funny, especially when you yourself are going pretty harsh in critiquing other cliches and stuff and in, in my opinion if you're gonna go so hard into critiquing uh cliches and tropes and how they're not funny you should probably find another way to be funny or another way to do storytelling but no you're just gonna contribute to them so like a really prime example i think of this is in the opening scene where daphne literally says don't you notice in the first episode there's always so much more gratuitous nudity, nudity and horror or whatever, gruesomeness in like the first episodes of TV shows to draw people in as they literally have teenagers who are like butt naked and you can literally, they like draw the whole outline of their entire butt. And personally, in my opinion, if you're going to contribute to a, in my opinion, pretty harmful stereotype that is in media, pointing it out is not good enough and then they go into this whole thing where like the cockroaches are like humping each other and then she's like uh i hate this cue um oh my god she's like "Ugh, i hate this school and in my opinion that is not very good they're trying to like establish a setting right like oh wow look this place is just so gross but 
That doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, establish a setting. You can get a sense that that's what they're trying to do, but that's not a true establishment of a setting. Uh, you should establish, like, I don't know, like, it's like tell not show. Once again, because obviously they're showing these bugs, but then you specifically have Daphne being like, ugh, that's gross. Like, we can probably as an audience be able to digest that ourselves and understand that what you're trying to get at is that this is supposed to be like in a disgusting environment. Like, well, that's my whole thing. Like, what does that even say about the setting or the environment that the school is like really sex driven, which is like a freaking cliche that you were just complaining about and then you're gonna have like hyper hypersexual active like teens it doesn't really make sense in my opinion and it doesn't really add up and I think that just pointing out the cliches yet attributing to them <laughs> doesn't make it okay so yeah I don't know it's just the setting is terrible the introduction of characters are terrible the characters themselves are so one note like Velma is maybe not necessarily one note. She's just confusing. She's chaotic. She's all over the place. She's dissing everybody like she hates everybody and she's the weird kid. But yet she's the weird kid and contributes to normal freaking society things. But then you got Fred, who's essentially just a douchebag, I think, to be a douchebag. And then he's got like his whole dad thing is just kind of like slapped in your face. But then it's like he doesn't even himself seem to really care that much. Like he kind of just seems to go along with the flow of it. So it's like, you don't get to see him emotionally affected by it. So you don't really feel a connection with him. So he still just feels like a douchebag. And then yeah, like Daphne supposed to be this woke person, but then all of a sudden is drug dealing, like, okay. And then Shaggy is probably the most disappointing out of all of them. Cause Shaggy is my favorite character of the original Scoob gang. I loved the stoner, like I'm gonna quote, stereotype and that kind of humor because that kind of humor is just stupid humor. I enjoy stupid humor sometimes. Um, humor just to be humor and like point out stupid things and do stupid things. I kinda like it. I kinda like chaos. I like chaos cutting and stuff like that in certain stoner humor movies, I would say. Like Scott Pilgrim or, oh, Pineapple Express is a secret guilty pleasure of mine. So I do unfortunately like that kind of humor. I really enjoy Shaggy. He's a very laid back character. I think he realistically would react to the ghosts. Like I say I don't believe in ghosts, but like once something's fallen over, I'm like, let me break out some sage. Get the ghosts out of here. At this point in my life, to be honest. So, <laughs> um, Shaggy, relatable character, um, and it's just really sad that they took his character and kind of made a caricature of, I would say, like, what a nerd is supposed to be. Like, he walks in and, oh my god, he's got glasses. Like, he's now the nerd character. Like, great. And then he also does this thing where he does VM voicemails, and he, like, repeats it in the conversation with Velma. He's like, VM voicemails, VM voicemails. And then... That specific trait, we never see happen again with other words. We never see him use that word again. It doesn't come up again. And to me, I don't know what that's supposed to say about his personality unless it's supposed to maybe attribute to possibly him having like OCD or some sort of mental illness. But the show never gets that deep because once again, they don't want to have <laughs> relatable characters for some reason. They want the whole thing to appear as satire, but it's not even satire because they're just telling, not showing they're just telling you and literally like looking into the camera after like having no reason to and literally just telling the audience it's just it's so disruptive and the whole voice and like the vm voicemail thing like that whole thing feels so disruptive because it doesn't feel like a natural conversation like the script dialogue feels 
so unnatural between characters and I know it's a cartoon but sometimes watching like Bojack Horseman man like you it's like it those feelings feel real because some of those situations well yes some of them are played up to be funny or to be exaggerated for certain emotions it's like they're so relatable to like real life and you're like wow I can connect with that. There's not that connection with Velma, unfortunately. And the way they screwed up Shaggy is or changed his character to make him this caricature of a nerd, it's just it just doesn't work. It's not funny. He has no funny attributes anymore. Like he's just basically a Poindexter to be a Poindexter, just like Fred's a douchebag just to be a freaking douchebag. There's no depth to, to them. There's no necessarily reason, and I don't really show they don't really want to try to show a reason. They'll like be like, oh, I guess this for like two minutes of screen time. I don't know. It's just, it's not good. It is saturated with sexual jokes to try to seem edgy, yet it wants to seem woke, which really confuses me. It's, try once again, like the whole thing has this like airness of trying to be self-aware, but it just goes like, it's doing it in the most lazy way possible where it's no longer satire where it's no longer even self-aware it's just this whole plot that's dissing cliches yet playing into them like that's not self-aware in my personal opinion i did want to point out the one moment that had me chuckling there was one moment that had me laughing and i think it's due to the one good pacing of like this one little shot but it's when velma's having like a flashback because her her whole thing too it's like her whole thing is that she can't do mysteries because she has some sort of traumatizing thing with solving a mystery in her mom. So she gets these flashbacks every time she tries to solve a mystery. And I'm just like, and they try to solve it right in episode one. And I'm like, why introduce like such a big prevalent problem like that just for it to get solved right away? It doesn't make sense. It's like introducing a character, a new character, and then having them die right away. Like, there's no point in that. There's no emotional connection. There's no, especially if it doesn't move along the story, which there really is no storyline because all of a sudden Daphne's selling drugs in episode two like what but anyway so she's having a flashback because she's trying to solve a mystery and then like her dad's pregnant girlfriend is like oh my god can't you see she's trying to solve a mystery damn it and then like resurrects her because she's like hyperventilating i did get a chuckle out of that I thought I felt like for once the like chaotic pacing and timing of it actually worked in its favor because that scene was really chaotic and I thought it was just particularly funny. But other than that, I really got no pleasure from the show other than also the animation style. Like I thought that was pretty good. Other than those two things, that one scene and the animation style, there's nothing enjoyable about the show. No good characters, no good storylines, even if they're like is there even one? Like, it doesn't really seem to be. So many cliches, yet they make fun and try to critique cliches and tropes of TV shows. It just doesn't work out in its favor because it's looking too pretentious without creating a good product. And that doesn't look good. So that is my conclusion on Velma. Ooh, I should try to rate it. That would be so fun. Okay, I'm going to try to give it a rating. So I would give... Okay, because here's my thing. I am not beyond giving things 10 out of 10 scores, okay? Because I like the 10 out of 10 rating. Because objectively, nothing can be perfect. So I feel like if it hits certain boxes in enjoyability and still has flaws, it's still a 10 out of 10. So, like, 
BoJack Horseman would be a 10 out of 10. Avatar The Last Airbender would be a 10 out of 10. Those are just really heavily on my mind right now too because I am re-watching them, so that's why I've been talking about them a lot. I would put Velma at like a 0 0.8 because of that one scene and its animation for its redeeming qualities. So it doesn't quite get a 1, but it gets a 0 0.8. So yeah, thank you for watching this episode. I hope you had a good time. I hope you learn some things about cinematography and feminism maybe I don't know this wasn't a huge feminist episode but I'm expecting not all of them to be and I just really wanted to talk about the show to kind of clear up why it was bad because I have been seeing a lot of things on the internet about like the race swapping is for the reason it's bad like I literally looked at this list I wish I could remember what website it was but it was like reasons why Velma's so bad number one race swapping and I was like no that has nothing to do with it at all at all so essentially let's hire more people bipoc people because hollywood is extremely whitewashed that is our feminist lesson today and i will talk about the more whitewashing of hollywood probably in later episodes because it is the entertainment industry is very perpetuous of perpetuating systems of power especially white supremacy i would say heteronormativity and definitely the patriarchy and as well as there's a lot of gross stuff that seems to happen in in hollywood i find it quite all oh, fascinating really all these rich people and what they do in their lives so yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you have a good rest of your day and a good rest of your week and i will join see you on the next time if you enjoyed it and if you didn't hey we all like our own things that's fair you know um I also wanted to take one quick moment before I leave to promote myself. So I have a TikTok and an Instagram and a YouTube under Ziggyo. That is Z-I-G-G-Y-O-0-O. Ziggyo. So you can go follow me on those platforms if you want. And if you don't, you don't have to. Hey, free country. So yeah, have a great rest of your day. Even though I said that already, I will try to have a great rest of mine. I'm going to film two podcast episodes, one right after the other. So we'll see how that goes because I'm already running out of air. I think I talk a little too fast. I feel it right now. I'm calming. Anyways, till next time. Bye.